Hey everyone, I'm Allison Rygard, and today on the Gear.com show, I'll be talking to Dan Pattison from Oddlow. Dan is the category manager for outdoor and SUW lines, which specialize in athlete performance through micro layering and fabric construction. It was great getting to hear about his experience in this role and his thoughts on the transcendence of sustainability and consumer goods. I hope you enjoy. About a, a year ago, um, it, I was supposed to start March last year, March 1st. Um, and because of COVID, I joined, I moved the week of lockdown. Uh, amazingly, I moved on the Monday without any hassle. And mm-hmm. then on Wednesday, it was locked down and I had a, <clears throat> I had a pretty scary email of Dan, just stay home. There's no need to join. So I was oh, kind of postponed for three months. Um, I've come from an outdoor industry background, but not sports underwear, particularly seamless. So any visits I was hoping to get to vendors to see seamless construction and um, some of the knitting machines, they, they just haven't happened. But um, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot in the interim about our business um, and what we do well. So, um, so what line do you work with? Right now, I know that Oddlow's released a new base layer line, which was the sustainability line. Um, but I also know that you guys have the kinship line, you have the black comb. Are you over one particular line or do you kind of oversee all of them? I oversee two areas of the business. One is the outdoor collection, which is relatively small because Oddlow's all about sports underwear. And I look after the entirety of sports underwear. So okay. I think, and I think what, what maybe what's possibly been a little bit mixed in the feedback to you is the broader proportion of the line is now sustainable. So to give you an example, it's 96% of the outdoor line for fall winter 21 is now recycled, which is a pretty, pretty ferocious statement. It's um, it's a huge chunk of our business. It's what, what our brand's built on. So the team here are, are pretty proud of that statistic. Yeah, it's great. The only insights I can give you on that topic really are that, that there hasn't been a mandate as such. We're a, a relatively small business. We're not um, we're not owned by a corporation, for example. Um, but we've had this kind of unwritten rule of we've got to do what's right. And I think that's been the key to the success, really. It hasn't been one person banging the table saying we must make everything sustainable. It's been a I think it's the voice that stands up and says, why wouldn't we do this? It's been the strongest, you know, that there haven't been any barriers in terms of someone saying this is a bad idea. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like any business, when it comes to sustainability, um, it's it boils down to skills of economy and almost without exception. All recycled yarns that we buy now are more expensive than non-recycled. So the only justification not to have recycled content in your line, really, it boils down to um, financial reasons. Um, but the consumer now, it's it's almost transcended that level now. It's it's an expected feature. You, it's going to be unusual over the next three to five years to have something in your line that isn't either partly recycled or, or fully recycled. Mm-hmm. So it's really boils down to accountability from a from brand level. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so cool that it's you guys as a collective kind of leading that charge and not having a board to answer to or any stakeholders in that regard. 
Um, that's fascinating. I didn't realize that. Are there any other elements that are unique to that line in regards to sustainability or even just the construction of the pieces? I don't necessarily think there's anything unique. Um, the big task for us really is finding the appropriate yarn. If we if we switch out an entire program that previously hits uh, specific warmth ratings or wicking ratings, and suddenly you've got to take something that's high volume and plug plug a completely new yarn in, you really have to go back to basics. It's it's almost back to the drawing board. So we've been heavily reliant on our material team, mm-hmm. which which sounds incredibly broad but it's if i put that into perspective it's two people in the building that look after materials they have to take all the credit for the work that's been done on finding new yarns in a recycled quality uh, it's no mean feat because a yarn's one thing but when you see the final product there might be a slight variation and it you could be talking microns but you can definitely feel a difference in quality weight when you see the final product so there's a lot of a lot of trial and error in the process. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about the aha moment, and that's one of the big challenges with seamless is you can have a look and a design in mind, um, but applying something as mundane as color is a real is a real challenge. You sometimes you have to try many many sets of samples to get just the right blend of color until mm-hmm. you get that moment. Uh, we call it goosebumps in Europe. I'm not sure if it is it is it the same in North America. I'm not sure. You definitely have that goosebump moment on the skin where you just know this is it. That's the that's it. We've done it. You get a great yeah. feeling and you're certain it's going to be a, a commercial success. It doesn't that's doesn't great. always happen like that. <laughs> it's it's not always as simple as that. I I do I'm oversimplifying it with that statement, but you know, can you put a number to it? I don't, I don't think you can. Is it one in ten? One in one in six, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's win some and lose some, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine too. I mean, like you were just saying, like you introduce a new material and then the heat rating changes on the product. So, how? I mean, when you are looking at developing products, like what does that strategic roadmap look like for you when you are playing with so many different types of materials? I mean, do you? Like, for example, like if you were to introduce a new material and then it changes that heat rating, then is that kind of that goosebump moment of like, oh, now we actually have a whole new line we can explore because this is a rating we haven't seen yet or anything like that. Potentially, yeah, it's 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 one of those things you, you sometimes you get these accidental successes where, um, you know, if I give an example from athletes who, who will talk about micro layering, they're trying to reduce the amount of bulk. So. Obviously, the, the sorry, the type of bulk they're wearing, so they're reducing what's layered over the top of their the base layer, or even the next to skin pieces. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to f- try and find that balance. And if you, you know, it's it would it's ideal if you can make something lighter, less bulky, but you retain the warmth level. That's that's something special. We will we'll, we will try to brief um, certain yarn suppliers that this is this is a, an idea ideation we have in our head. Is it possible? So there's a lot of um, collaborative work with with um, vendors on. This is just an idea. We can't give you a reference sample because we don't believe it exists. But um, what could you do with these ideas? And we'll try and give them um, an indication of the 
types of yarn? Is it synthetic? Is it natural? Would we like that yarn to be shiny or dull? Um, and the insights to get to that brief are all consumer based. We, we, you know, we, when we can get into the, the market, when we are not restricted by these weird times we're living in, when we can get into the cities of Europe, uh, and, and, you know, in North America and see what the trends are. And the, the obvious trend I would, I would shine light on now is, is the natural trend. There's a, a macro trend of, Consumers are now asking the questions that we hoped they would ask a little bit sooner, but it, it's it's a big market, it's a big industry, and mm-hmm. people, people take time to to learn and to start appreciating what it is they're wearing and why. What is my motivation for buying this? Is it is it because it's cheap? Is it price pointed? Is it just a simple function it needs to fulfil and they only wear it for that one activity? Therefore, if it's thirty dollars or $35 and it does the job, then is that sufficient? Just going back to the naturals trend, for me, it reminds me a lot of the automotive industry where <laughs> five to 10 years ago, the conversation was all about, you know, my next car, I'd love it to be a hybrid, but they're just too expensive right now. Um, whereas the conversation now, you know, certainly from a European perspective, when I talk to colleagues here, that, that conversation is typically, oh, it's at least going to be a hybrid. If not, if, if the scales of economy have changed, hopefully even electric. So at that level, the mindsets have changed a little bit. Um, and certainly we've seen that hugely in, in Europe, um, mm-hmm. the growth of wholesale floor space and even on e-com, the growth of sales within naturals. And when we talk about naturals, I, I'm not just saying specifically 100% natural product, but this great combination of blended um, fabrication, so part natural, part synthetic, optimizing that mix so that the consumer has a real benefit. Um, find, finding the right balance is the key to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you guys have done a phenomenal job of that. It's something we we hear from uh, just the, the website reviews that we have on our products that we see kind of directly, but we also started to see it a few years ago as well when the Blackcomb was launched. Um, it's a product that was made in that weight. It's, it's, it's shade over 200 grams um, fabric weight per square mm-hmm. meter. So it's not the lightest base layer, but it was made for skiers and it was developed specifically for skiers, you know, cold environments and typically worn with a layer over the top. But I think what caught the brand completely by surprise was you look on social media and you see black coon being worn by trail runners, um, particularly in Southern Europe, uh, France and Spain, etc. Um, and it, and that throws up so many question marks. Of, Hang on a minute. This is a product that was typically hidden, but it looks cool. It looks fresh. It's different. It's not in a box. It's a it's a hung product. So you can see it visually. And I think it's it's a great example of where we we've accidentally gained business from a following of people that we didn't at all intend to target. Um, and I can draw similar parallels with the slightly lighter kinship. Um, that's that's my favorite piece in the line, the the the, the winter weight kinship uh, with mm-hmm. the hoodie mask, with the hoodie and mask built in. The mask, of course, is just a complete fluke of COVID times. It wasn't intended to have that mask, but as a as a winter trail running piece, I find it phenomenal in the sense that it's it's natural. You don't have to wash it mm-hmm. like synthetic. You, you can wear it two, three days without grossing out on the smell. Um, <laughs> so your water consumption is reduced. 
and then of course it's 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 seamless and it's um fast drying it has all the benefits of an actual product without um the kind of synthetic elements to it right yeah and that's another big benefit too from the line is how the materials are produced and what they're made from that allows you to wear them multiple times before washing right just that added second layer if you will of sustainable practices where do you think these products can kind of progress to in the next five years thinking with with, with such a high percentage of product already in sports underwear in, in the odd line that's that's recycled or has recycled content i think sports underwear without wanting to sound like I'm oversimplifying it too much is is relatively easy to steer in that sense I think circular economy and you know cradle to grave approach would be fantastic it's still something that we're striving towards I think when you step out of sports underwear though and you look at the broader collection where you use more um, currently we'll use laminates um, membranes in the construction of waterproof jackets or in ski jackets that's Mm -hmm. where the challenge becomes a little bit harder you look globally at which of the big mills provide waterproofing um uh brands like Gore-Tex etc they have a much harder job of initiating change because they're so reliant reliant on products from the the PTFE industry that's going to be a a harder problem to solve longer term from our perspective whilst it's important it's it's not hugely significant in in terms of an impact because we we just don't have um that bigger business within the three layer market anyway we're still known as a sports underwear brand that's where we specialize mid layers in particular for skiing mm-hmm. and so on, uh, and winter sports but we'd strive towards that and a 360 view of sustainability throughout all layers as we can and now we've just kicked off full 22 season we kicked off in november last year we've got various innovation streams happening now for full 23 spring 23 full 23 and beyond on exactly this type of topic so that's exciting um, i think the i think the bottom line for the apparel industry is it doesn't matter whether you specialize like odd in in high-paced action sports or whether you're a fashion brand it really has no bearing on whether or not you have an opinion on sustainability, you, you absolutely have to have a sustainability opinion because the consumer is undeniably starting to become more transparent. They just want transparency from brands and they're the brands that they ultimately trust. And I think it's easy for me to look in the rearview mirror now and think, well, we started in synthetics, you know, 70 years ago, we've been blending synthetics up to this point in time. So it's, we've got to now look forward for the next 10 to 20 years and think, do we morally want to keep going with synthetics or do we want to make a switch into a more naturally blended product? And I think this is where trends like macro trends like naturals, if we listen and and take a view on what the consumer is buying and what they're looking for and what their feedback is saying, mm-hmm. there's no sign that this is a flash in the pan trend. It looks like it's here for the long run and brands have to react. If brands don't react, if we just sat on our laurels and decided Let's just keep doing synthetics because that's what we've always done. I think you just leave the door wide open to startups and we're better than seeing many, many startups in um, North America. Yeah. You know, the, the world I've come from, if I'm digressing slightly, the world I've come from in outdoor, uh, the outdoor industry, I saw so many startups in California that were just, I, 
there's a consumer here and none of the big brands are satisfying the needs. So you've got, you know, you've got brands like Outdoor Voices creeping up that are like, they're just re-spinning the look and the feel and the flavor of what it can be to be an outdoor person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there are examples of that in, in a lot of industries, even, even the cycling industry is seen a lot of startups within the last 10 years that are just they're redefining what it is you don't have to wear race race jersey with sponsor logos all over and red blue <laughs> or bright green jerseys you can you can really soften that look and, and start to look stylish and and not feel out of place on your bike yeah not feel like the guy who's wearing <laughs> jeans while skiing <laughs> type yeah stuff, right who actually yeah. you still fit in um yeah that's a great point and it's something i've noticed too you have to be transparent with consumers and it's been a long time coming i'm excited to see it happening especially in regards to climate and the planet and just like you said cradle to grave it's very important the brands that do it right will be the ones that people stay loyal to yeah i think the industries that are really struggle like the big money spinning industries like the tech industry mm-hmm. i think that's a great example where the desire to own a shiny, bright phone far outweighs the thought process of what's inside this product. What are the nasty things that are inside this product? That's that's probably the one industry. The car industry is making a very concerted effort in, in a lot of elements. Um, you know, there are people arguing, yeah, but batteries for cars are just as bad for the environment. And, and the, yes, there's there's always arguments, but um relying on fossil fuels has put a, such a strain on the planet for this mm-hmm. you know the last century of automotive industry um there have to be alternatives particularly for the the younger generations coming through that expect to see it mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah absolutely it's I, it really is the amount of, i mean even recently i realized how wasteful um just some of my daily habits were just tea bags right it's like well obviously there's like i need to do research and change this now it's like okay now i loose leaf tea is the way to go just as a small example um to that point but there's definitely a lot to do but it's really refreshing and it makes me very hopeful to see brands like Oddlo taking the steps that you are taking um, without compromising product either. Like you can deliver an exceptional product without exploiting natural resources. It is possible. So again, major kudos to you and the team. It's really cool to see. I'm very excited to be a brand partner of yours and I can't wait to see what's next, especially with the new line that I know you've all been working very hard on the last few months. That's great to hear. And it gives us a, a, a big buzz when we get positive feedback and we even when we see reviews that we just didn't anticipate, whether it's consumer type that we weren't expecting, like the example I gave you on, on kinship or or even just seeing some of our sports underwear being worn and showing off rather than hidden beneath mm-hmm. one or two layers. Um, I think that's one of the one of the biggest changes. Uh, someone described to me when I joined, which was relatively recently, that, um, you know, it's almost become accepted that sports underwear can now be worn as an outerwear garment, if that makes sense. You, you, mm-hmm. You're not feeling so. Uh, it's it's no longer considered just apres wear around the the hut or around the uh, the resort you're in in the chalet, whatever. It's socialising with a, a prosecco on after a day on the slopes, but they're 
people mm-hmm. are wearing the products that they're, they're kind of curating an outfit the opposite you intended it for and they're making it work for their lifestyle yeah that's so true <clears throat> especially like i grew up in park city and oftentimes especially right now too with you know everyone's loungewear all the time with the pandemic but you primarily just see people wear their base layers and then a nice sweater and some boots and that's now you're going out outfits yeah <laughs> so it's been interesting to see i really appreciate you opening up and talking to me today about the line and kind of your ideas for the future thank you no always nice meeting people